0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, Anyway, would you stand up one more time? We're going to pray before we dive into God's word today. and. I, I just love that the time out to just read God's word because at the very end of the day, that is what you need. You need that more than you need anything that I'm going to say today. But that is the scripture text that we're going to be drawing from today. And there's going to be a prayer, a, a prayer on the screen behind me. This is just as a way to prepare our hearts, minds, and spirits before we dive into God's word today. I know you come in here a lot going on. You got, fam, I mean, family. You, you got a lot going on, and I just pray that the next thirty, thirty-five. 40 45 50 hour we'll see how things go uh time is a time where you sincerely hear from the holy spirit because we we need it all right if you wouldn't mind lifting up hands with me there's going to be a prayer on the screen behind me if you would just join in and let's pray together father thank you for your love jesus thank you for showing us the way and making a way for us to be in relationship with god Spirit, you are here and you are willing to speak, change, convict, guide, reveal, and comfort. Have your way as we hear your word today. And everyone said, amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Our scripture text today, I think, brings out something very interesting about Jesus. And we, we have been in a series called Jesus, Jesus and, where we've been looking at the life of Jesus not just as being lord not just as being savior but as being our our example because many times we can we can be in the church we can be a christian but many times we can lose the way of Jesus and i've just felt like i said from the beginning of of the year we're going to take a year two years and we're just going to look at Jesus we're going to look at how he spoke, look at what he did, how he handled certain situations, questions he, he, he asked. And we're just going to say, Jesus, how can we be more like you? So the past three weeks, we've been talking about Jesus and serving. What, what an incredible response. Church, I just want to say thank you. We had over like close to 100 of you commit to serving in the house of God. Uh, and, and so I just want to pause and say thank you to you for responding to that. I don't think you understand, like, I literally think that we've doubled our violent, like, like, our serve team base. So we just sincerely want to say thank you for not just hearing God's word, but responding to God's word. And we just sincerely want to say thank you. Today we're going to do a one-off where I, I just really felt led to talk to you today from the subject title, Jesus and Self-Awareness. Jesus and Self-Awareness. And I was trying to find different sermons on this, and I didn't, did not find many of them. And, and really, I think it's very interesting in, this, in the story that we heard today that Kelvin read so beautifully. We, we hear the disciples in this position where they go to the other side, a storm comes up. I love the fact that Jesus is napping. Just love that. I'm like, Jesus is a napper. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to take more naps for the glory of God. You know, like, <laughs> he, he just takes a nap. The storm comes. The disciples are freaking out. Because really many times, many times throughout our life, we feel like Jesus is napping. Don't we? We got something going on, and we're like, Jesus, where are you at, bruh? You sleeping? What, what are you doing? But Jesus awoke. He saw them, that they were freaking out, flipping out. They're like, Jesus, what are you saying? And he calms the storm. But then Jesus, instead of saying what I love here, right? Let's go ahead and read it. Verse number 39. He says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, Be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? I I love here that Jesus did not say, just stop being afraid, bruh. Don't be afraid, right? Because even that is one of the most repeated commands. See, some of y'all think in the Bible it's just a bunch of God saying, don't do this and don't do that. And stop smoking, drinking, doing all this stuff. You know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? Don't be afraid. Why? Because that's how many times we live, our, we live our lives from a spirit of fear. And it makes its way out in many different ways. But I love here how Jesus did not just say, stop being afraid. Jesus, instead of saying focusing on what they were doing or how they were doing it, Jesus asked them a question. He says, why are you afraid? That question, why? Why are you... So let's just... In the blank. Why are you in so much need of control? Or we could change it. Why do you need so much stuff? Why do you need that person's approval? Why won't I mean? Like, are, are you seeing? There's power in that word. Why? Because when, when you ask the question why, you aren't just focusing on what someone's doing or how they're doing it. You're going a little bit deeper into why. And really, I think many, many of us many times are very often aware of what we do and how we do it or how we are. But many of us don't do the hard work of being aware of why. Why? And as really our goal, our vision at LifeHouse is to live this uncommon life that Jesus offers. The vision of our church is you becoming a certain kind of person. That person is Jesus. That's why the church exists. The church doesn't exist to just grow. The church doesn't exist just to plant campuses, to grow in number. The church exists to help you grow to to be like a person. And that's Jesus. So as we are all on this journey of becoming like him, of living this uncommon life, I believe one of the most neglected parts of our discipleship, of our following Jesus, is narrowing in on why we do what we do, not just what we do. Because I think many times we think Jesus is a lot more concerned about what we're doing more than he is concerned about why we are doing it. And really today, I want to go beneath the surface of just telling you not to do things, and you shouldn't this, and you shouldn't that. Really today, I pray we all go on a journey of maybe discovering the importance of why. And and this could be a little scary, because this means you have to get past the surface. You have to just get past what you do and start digging into why you do it. and And that could be lot of different things, and really when I think about this principle of why and why it's so important, I can't not think of a dandelion. Y'all know if y'all got dandelions in y'all's yard. They are one of the most annoying uh, weeds, because you can take care of what's on the surface, but you know if you don't get down to the root of a dandelion, you pull that thing out, and in two days, that joins right back. Why? Because you can take care of what the fruit is, but you haven't dealt with the root. So the root is going to keep growing fruit unless you deal with the root. And what we find, I like you, Wanda. You can sit in the front row anytime you want. But many of us have things in our life that we see the fruit of and we're frustrated by the fruit and we're upset at the fruit and we're tired of the fruit and we want to attack the fruit, and we keep pulling the fruit up, we keep pulling the dandelion up, we keep pulling it, we keep pulling it, we keep pulling it, we keep pulling it, but it just seems like things keep coming back. And I think a lot of the reason why is because we know that there is a dandelion, we know that there is a weed, we know there's something we need to pull up, and we want to keep pulling it up, and we pull it up, but we don't actually get beneath the surface to address the root. And I really believe the root is really connected... To that question why because Jesus wasn't just saying I just don't see you're fearful I'm not just interested in the fact that you are showing fear and, and 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 your actions are showing you're fearful I want to get beneath the root and I want to ask why are you so afraid let's dig in to the let's dig into the Root, And that's what I pray today, that as followers of Jesus today, my heart, look, I can't get into everything, but my heart today is that you would see the importance, and we would be a church that doesn't just focus on the fruit, we be a people that are even more concerned about the root. We would, we would give Jesus access to the deepest parts. Do you know how easy it is to be in the church and surfacy? And you guys have seen this, people who, who can preach and teach and lead and speak in tongues and prophesy and do every spiritual gift but when you get beneath the surface they have the gift but there's a difference between gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit we forget that that's why you see people who have some of the best gifts are some of the meanest Not full of love, not full of joy, not full of peace, not full of patience, not full of all that. You know, when Paul's oh, there's some fruit of the Spirit. But I really believe today that that by God's grace, the Lord, through the power of his Holy Spirit, we are going to be a community of people that don't just want to settle for outward Christianity Jesus stuff. That we have to be a community of people who say, Jesus, I'm going to pull the veil back. I'm going to allow you into some of the most sensitive, deepest pieces and places of my being. This word why is very powerful because it dives into the nature and the nurture. And why is a combination of nature and nurture. Like what, when you think of why you are the way you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like why you are the way you are. Y'all, do you know how complicated that can be? because we're all complicated and we all have different experiences, we all have different things that have been done to us. We have different home lives we've grown up in, we've had different churches and religious experience that we've had. We maybe you were born with a certain proclivity inside of you and you're like, "Why do I have this? I don't even want it. I feel stricken with it." It can be nature and nurture. There, when, I mean, I can tell you how many times I've asked, and, and I've shared this before, and if you've been at our church, you know this is part of my journey and story. It's like, I, I was, I'm, I asked God, why, dude, why was I given stuttering? And you're like, well, John, you don't stutter that bad. Well, you don't know me. Y'all don't know what I've been through, okay? Like, I mean, honestly, I'm just like, what the heck, God? Duck, duck, damn, is that the way this, this worked? But Honestly, it was something that I didn't ask for and sometimes you're given things in life you didn't ask for Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a certain m- Mental struggle. Maybe it's a certain emotional struggle. Maybe it's a certain physical struggle Maybe it's a certain sexual struggle. Maybe it's a certain addiction like there There, there are parts of why we are the way we are that we have to explore and some of it, some of its Nature and some of it has been nurtured into you Because we have to understand we are crock-potted in a culture you are literally in a crock pot called the United States. And you have to have to know that in, in some way, shape, and forms, the reason you are the way you are is a combination of like the people that you are with and the country that you're in and the family you're a part of. And that's why it's so important that, that we understand both. Because y'all, there's just a part of our lives that is just when I say. Nature i'm speaking about the christian idea of we're born into a sinful world That we would deem uh, that theologians would would call Original sin we could say the fallen state of the world basically after genesis 3 Was great was awesome adam and eve were naked in a garden and god told them To multiply and eat whatever you want that sounds like pretty good heaven to me (laughs) That wasn't enough they wanted more. Satan came to them and said, "You could be like God. Just eat this. God's holding something back from you." So, the, so they took. They did against what God's best was, and then they sinned against God. They did what God's best wasn't, and so then there there was. Ever since that moment, every part of our being is fallen. Emotional, relational, psychological, physical, spiritual. Every yule you will put there. The the fall has infected all of these areas Meaning there are parts of us that we don't even under like that. We will never fully understand the fallenness until we get to the to the other side There are things that happen in our world that we try to explain We want to explain that will only be explained because of the fact that we live in a fallen world That is broken and hurting and far from god That's why when people ask me like can you be born with certain inclinations towards certain sins and things? What I would say, of course. Why? Because we're fallen. And that fallenness makes its way into every piece of who we are. Our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our our desires, our emotions, our relationships. So there is the nature part of us that is real, our sinful nature. And I, I just love how, how Paul talks. He, he wrestles with this. You know what I love about the Bible is Paul does not wrestle in silence. Paul wrestles with things by writing scripture. Because you know what that does to me? It makes me feel like I'm not crazy. that's what i love about the bible is its realness it's inspired by god it is perfect it is god's revealed will to us but i love that god did not pretty his revealed will up he let it be known that hey just want to let y'all know i have truth but i'm going to also let you know you're not crazy because a lot of things that paul writes about is things that many of us feel one of those is found in romans 7 where paul is wrestling with this sinful nature part of him because I mean, just he says, and I know nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Is this anyone's test? Is this anyone's testimony? This is my testimony from <laughs> death to life. This is my testimony. <laughs> I don't want to do it wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, and I'm not really the one, then the 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 one doing wrong—it is the sin living in me that does it. So Paul's like, there's there's just this side of us that that is is just not that there's that, that's just the sinful nature. But then there's also the nurture part. That is is like we have been nurtured and curated to want to do certain things, to live a certain way, that we have to be mindful of. And I love how Paul, when he's talking about these things, then he goes into the end of Romans 7. He kind of gives this depressing thing like I just said. I want to do what I do. I, what, what I do, I can't do it. Just all, you know. Then he, then he says this Romans 7. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Thank you, Paul, for your encouragement of Scripture. Such a joy. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? And then he says, thank God. Can we say thank God? thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord so you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law but because of my sinful nature I'm a slave to sin but then he dies see Romans 7 is not the end of the story then we dive into Romans 8 and Romans 8 says this so there is therefore now no condemnation everyone say no condemnation no condemnation y'all we just need to give God a praise break right now that God does not look at us and condemn us But guess who is the best at condemning ourselves? Christians. We're the worst at it. He says this, so there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer live, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. There's an important note we have to make here about the nature of salvation. And it's this dichotomy that on this side of heaven, we can even have a trouble understanding. Because the truth is, if you are a follower of Jesus, if, if you have put to death, if you have received, if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you receive what Jesus did on the cross in your place and for your sin and believe that he was raised from the dead, that changes your fundamental identity as a human. You are no longer a sinner, you are a saint. You are no longer away from God, you are near God. You are no longer unrighteous, you are righteous. And this is not because of what you have done in and of yourself, it is because of what Jesus did. In your place and because jesus won it because jesus won life Then he can give life to whom those who ask him So that is why whenever we say jesus. I need you to take control. I I need this this sinful nature inside of me I I receive you. So now my even my fundamental Nature is changed and I have the opportunity to put this sinful nature this side of me that wants the opposite of god I have the opportunity through the power of the holy spirit to put this sinful nature to death So I can walk in god's best for me but this starts as you understand that your identity has been changed And then when you start to walk out to be like jesus you start to walk in the life of the holy spirit You are now not doing good things to get the approval of god You're starting from the approval of god And that you are learning to live up to and live into who and what you already are that jesus has made you This is the good news of the gospel. So let me say it this way salvation Being rescued from your sin is a work that God did for us, the cross and the resurrection, and a work that God is doing in us, sanctification, which is dying to our old way of life and learning to live in the new life identity God has given us. So there's this weird dichotomy of you are saved, but you are still being saved. Now, don't take that the wrong way, because there's a work that Jesus did for you and a work that Jesus does in you the work that jesus did for you you had no the only thing you offered to that pot was sin what did you offer to jesus saying you your sin but there's a work that he did for you but now as you receive the work that he did for you now you then start the work of him working in you So now you are starting to live up to and live into this new identity you have as a follower. This is so important that you understand the nature of salvation as we're diving into the why. It's this weird concept of like already, but not yet. You are saved, but you are in the process of being saved. Even the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus is ruling and reigning as the king. But it ain't in full completion yet. There's gonna be a time where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that time is coming. I felt like it was very important that we know the the the, the nature of salvation so we can know that yes, like we have a safe place to dive into the why. That as we dive in there, trust me, you're going to find some reasons. And what I want to talk about this before I dive into some things is the reasons we struggle with diving into the why. Because even some of you are going to struggle with this idea. And I just want to maybe highlight three ideas that maybe you would struggle with. Number number one, you'll be afraid of what you find. Some of you have literally forgotten a lot of, of your past because it was so hurtful. And even the thought of diving into your past and looking at why you struggle with some of the things you struggle with right now would literally be going into the most sensitive parts of who you are. And I just want to let you know that, that you probably need to do that with somebody. Because some, some of y'all, like, you, you, you know you struggle with certain certain. Things and you you know that it is connected to a person or a certain environment from your childhood. And you keep find you know, you keep trying to like you know, say a Bible verse, which hey, we're all about Bible verses. Say them, speak them, but at the same time, if you try to slap that on an experience you've never allowed Jesus into, if you try to slap slap that on a place in your life that you are broken and wounded and you need healing in. Can a scripture help with that healing? Absolutely, because you're replacing the lie with the truth. But many times, if you have a wound and a hurt, and you've in many ways kept Jesus from it, because this is what we can do, y'all. Church people are the best at this. Because it can be a scary, scary thing. And that's why it takes courage. It takes tremendous courage to do the work of saying why takes tremendous courage so many of you will struggle with because you're afraid of what you'll find that's real talk second though you you might struggle because you're um, it doesn't feel like progress some of y'all are just like man I just want to keep it moving baby keep it moving keep it moving keep it moving keep it moving I understand that because this is my proclivity Lord, I got things to do for you. I got goals to hit. Uh, and what I realized is that I would not stop and deal with things that needed to be dealt with and diving into my, into the why portion because to me, it didn't feel like progress. But I just want to let you know, taking three steps back to take 10 steps forward is progress. You can feel like I am... Not moving forward. I'm actually taking a few steps back, and I need to take a few steps back, but what it actually is is a slingshot. You are going back so you can be propelled forward. Also, I want to just let you know, you don't you, you you reproduce who you are. And the work you do on yourself, parents, leaders, the work you do on yourself to let Jesus into the deepest parts of who you are to bring wholeness and healing it will be felt in everything you touch. It will be be felt in every area you lead. It will be felt in every single area you touch. So I just want to encourage you, some of you that would be like, ah, it would just be a waste of time. No, it will actually be super beneficial. Thirdly, um, maybe a reason why we would struggle is bad theology, Because I just just think, honestly, we have gotten into this mindset, God cares more about what we do for him more than who we are. And we can sometimes think, like, the more I do for Jesus, the more he'll be proud of me, but just know the whole purpose of following Jesus isn't what you do for him. What you do for him is born out of who you are, and born out of who you are becoming. And here's the thing, right? Jesus wants to get into the very depths of your being. I love when Jesus said, like, mind, body, soul, spirit. He said, so he was like holistic. I just don't want your mind so you can be smart. I just don't want your body so you'll do good things. I don't just want your heart so you can have emotions. I want mind, body, soul, spirit. Jesus is about holistic. He wants every piece and part of you. But we have, and I think the reason why we can even struggle with this in church, because churches are not normally a very safe or good place for people to do deep heart work. Why? Man, we got stuff to do. We got we got people to reach, we got a city to reach, we got tasks that that need to be done and and, and, and so the, the church almost, it's like if you're doing this kind of work where you're almost taking a few steps back, that can almost not be celebrated or even tolerated in a church because people are like, you go from glory to glory. Right? And you can almost feel intimidated. You can almost feel shamed. You can almost feel, and, and one, of the, one of the things that I love about what the Lord is doing in our church in this new season is, is that I really believe that LifeHouse is a safe place for those who are in a part of their journey with Jesus that isn't clamorous, And it can be a safe place for you. If, you. if you need time to just come to service and not serve, please do that. If you need it, like, if, you know, like, we want to understand the season you are in so we can best serve you there. And if you are in a season where you're diving into the why and you're going on this journey inside and you're exploring experiences and relationships and home life, because y'all, that can be in and of itself a lot on top of your job, and top of your kids. One of the hardest things is growing as you're leading. Come on. If you're a parent and you're trying to heal while you're parent parenting, you know how hard that is? It's hard. So you're gonna have to create margin to do this kind of work to allow the Lord in. But I just want to, and, and then two, I love how There was this one book, it's called The Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. And he kind of gives this kind of like, he calls it the layers, what does he call it? The, where's it at? Layers of repentance. Basically saying the layers that the Lord works in you. And he kind of breaks it down into kind of four different layers, kind of, kind of, so we can understand it. Number one, he calls it the gross sins, right? These are the kinds that he kind of describes them here, right? These are the the things outwardly, sexual immorality, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, the unrestrained sin before following Jesus. Secondly, though, then it gets into the conscious sins. Everyone say conscious. Conscious sins. These include sins that are socially acceptable, but conflict with the way of Jesus, materialism, self-centeredness. You can read those there. Thirdly, Then it gets into the unconscious sins, right, where it's like these might include sins like um, such as patterns of thinking and feeling, motivations along with the sins of omission, right? So this is getting a little bit like do you see how it's getting deeper where you've got these like these are like I need to stop getting drunk and sleeping with people that I shouldn't, (laughs) right? Those are kind of obvious, right? But then you get into things like the conscious sense. Well, you know, I kind of don't give any money away. Maybe I should do that, right? Then, then it gets into the unconscious. These are just things that, that the Holy Spirit reveals to us in different seasons of life. Patterns of thinking, right? It, it goes into your motivation, your heart. Why do you do things? But then it gets into this one here, which I love. It's called trust structures, where it says, these are the things that shape what motivates us to act and feel the way we do. Areas of ourselves where we do not rely on God, but ourself for our well-being. And these, this is the place where Jesus ultimately wants to go. But I think, honestly, in church, we're just after many times the like, crazy sins. Just get those out. When y'all, Jesus wants so much more. He wants to thoroughly convert. One of the things that I love that was said about C.S. Lewis, people said he was the most thoroughly converted man they'd ever met. I just love that word; those words, thoroughly converted. Mind, body, soul, spirit. And we can have a bad theology thinking Jesus just wants what we do but not who we are. All right, so let's, let's kind of switch, switch here. Let's, let's dive into four reasons why, diving into the why helps you become more like jesus and then we're going to end here number one it helps you grow in grace for others and for yourself it can be so hard to understand why someone does what they do if you don't even understand why you do what you do and sometimes the reason we're so graceless towards somebody else is because we've never done deep work to explore us and see how nuanced and layered we are. And it's wild that as you dive into yourself and you start to put things together, nurture, nature, whatever, and you start to see the contributing variables and factors to why you do what you do, it's amazing how that will then overflow into your perspective of people. And this is what I love about Jesus, is Jesus could have just been a God that said, stop doing that, don't do that, you shouldn't, but then Jesus took on us; He took on a human body. This is what is so powerful about the incarnation, is that it was not God just saying, "Don't do this." He said, "I want to understand you, so I'm just not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to actually become like you." That's what I, that's why I love Hebrews four. It says this high priest of ours understands. He's talking about Jesus. He understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you know what gives Jesus the ability to help us when we need it the most, when we're at these moments? Is because he understands. Jesus can give grace because he's been where we are. And we can go to him to receive because he's been there. Isn't it, don't you just want to punch people that have never been where you are and they try to give you advice? Trying to play Monday morning quarterback in a situation they've never been the quarterback in? Not that people can't give good advice if they've they've never done something that you have done, but at the same time, I think it's always wise, even as we're giving advice, we preface it, I've never been where you are, but. Right? I may not fully understand, but. But y'all, one of the reasons why I think we struggle with giving people grace could be the fact that uh, the lack of depth we've gone in to explore us. It's hard to understand someone's brokenness if you've never explored yours. And so doing this deep work isn't just about you and going into the why isn't just about you. It really is about as God does a work in you, as you allow Jesus into you, it actually gives you the ability to help Jesus get deeper into other people. So the first thing is it helps you grow in grace with others and for yourself. Number, number two, making conscious what is unconscious is one of the first steps towards real change. I just believe that so many followers of Jesus don't want to be aware of what is really holding them back from living for all that Jesus has for them. And really, I think a part of this is just that we're, we're, we're just kind of spiritually ignorant. And it's not that it's a bad ignorance. It's just the fact of maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe, you've ne- yeah, maybe I do need to start just not looking at what I do, but why, why the heck do I do what I do? What are the contributing factors to that? Who said something to me that I am still holding on to in my heart and my mind? I mean, you just even think of like why some people will spend their whole lives trying to earn the approval of someone when they're they're just trying to earn their dad's approval from when they were nine. And literally, they have this chip on their shoulder, this voice that is ringing in their mind, louder than God's voice, that every decision they make is to make their dad proud. And what I'll say is, yes, you can quote Bible verses. You can know Genesis. You can know Revelation. You can know the four horsemen in Revelation. You can know theological knowledge. But have you dealt with that voice that you're living from in your head? To where you let Jesus be the loudest voice. You let your heavenly father be the loudest voice you live from. But that takes work to turn the volume of your dad down. And to turn the volume of Jesus up. And what well, well-meaning Christians will do. Is they will say just turn it down and turn it up. Hurry up. We got things to do. When it might be walking like months of digging into like how that voice was rooted, the moment when you were nine, eight, nine years old where, where it got connected, where it got rooted in, in you. I need my dad's approval. Are y'all seeing, seeing this? This is getting beneath the surface into the things, like I said, the root of things of why you probably see patterns of struggle in your life though you have a passionate love for Jesus you know theology, you know scripture, but it's these sorts of things that Jesus wants access to in your life that you will never change if you're not conscious of it. And that is why doing this why work could be the path, it could be the way to make what is unconscious in your life conscious. And y'all, you can't change or cast out what isn't named. You have to name it. You have to identify it. Next, the third reason why. Number one, it, it helps you deconstruct before you reconstruct. I don't think we understand when we start to follow Jesus. <laughs> Jesus just doesn't want to rehab our life. He wants to totally reconstruct our lives. And that's why some of you, whenever you start to follow Jesus, it almost feels like your life gets a little worse. Not in every way, but in, in some ways, because you're starting to care about things you never cared about. you start starting to be aware of things you do that you never were aware of. You, you start to become aware of a lot more of your flaws and a lot more of the things that God is not happy with. And so it can feel, but, but I, I think what we will have a tendency in church to do is we'll just want to build on an already established foundation. And the foundation is kind of the sum total of who we are and why we are, how we are the cultural crockpot of the United States and mindsets we have and this stuff, stuff like that. And that's why Jesus said it's going to be hard to follow him, y'all. That's why Jesus was clear. He said the road that leads to hell is wide, and many go through it. The road that leads to life is narrow, and few find it. That's why when he had people following him, and you know, he fed them, and he healed them, and then he was like, hey, just let y'all know. I know y'all follow me because I healed y'all, and I fed y'all, but just don't forget, if you want to come after me, you have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And said many turned away and no longer followed him. They were like, yeah, that's a little too deep, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the healing. I'm out. I'll catch you on the flip, you know, like. <laughs> I think because Jesus was letting them know it's, the change is going to be deeper than you might even want. The healing and the restoration is going to be deeper than maybe you want. And that's what I think we have to realize. Jesus isn't just into a rehab with you. He wants to redo things from the very foundation that's why he, we he even sang we even sang the song and we taught he, jesus taught he said those who build their life on sand when the winds and the storms come it, they will be blown over because it's built on sand but those who build their lives on the rock and he described his rock as being me and what i teach that's why following jesus is a complete 180 is it's it's not like hey jesus i will add you into my life I will, uh, you know, you'll be the addition. No, Jesus doesn't want to be added. He wants to be the center. And that is the thing. And that's why following Jesus will take a season of deconstruction even before you you start to reconstruct. Because that's what salvation at its core is. You're blowing up the foundation of what you've built your life on. And then you lay Jesus as what he calls himself the chief cornerstone. The firm foundation. And then you start to build on that. This is not easy preaching, y'all. I know it's not. But I don't want us to have a church that just adds on to already established stuff that we've built. Because if the foundation isn't right, we ain't right. (laughs) And I want it to be when you start to... when you build on the right foundation, you will see when the crap of life hits, you will see how you might be shaken, but you won't be moved. Because you know, you know. Because life has a way of revealing what we've built on. It really does. And that, that's why I'm, I'm saying there's a period where even you might have built You might have added Jesus to your life and you might have even put a foundation on a different foundation where you might even have, and many times that's called religion where you start to add a few good works to deep-rooted stuff you don't want to follow Jesus with. It's got to be blown up, y'all. It's got to be blown up. You got to get the foundation right but asking these why why do i want so much control why can't i stop cussing people out why can't i control my anger y'all laughing but y'all know it's true <laughs> why why can't i give a dollar away why can't i stay still why can't i and it's y'all it's nature nurture But y'all, these are the questions we have to ask if we want to be fully devoted, holistic, thoroughly converted, Jesus the foundation questions. Because I could just say, just don't fear, guys. Just don't fear. Have Have a great Sunday. But what does that do for you? It's just like, yeah, I know that, John. But I'm fearful. Why? Let's do some work. Let's do some work. Now, Man, I preached, gosh, it's already 10.30. Man. Okay. Next. It, it, and here is what I think one of the most important things. When you get into why, it protects you from having a victim mentality. Because that's what you'll be tempted to do. As you do the hard work and the courage of diving into why, what you'll be tempted to do is to blame. My mom. My dad, my cousin, my uncle, my boss, my roommate. (laughs) Come on, let's just start saying names now. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But you'll be tempted to just start pointing fingers. And that's where this can go wrong. And even some of you, you're like, I don't know where you're going with this, John. Blame us, give people a way to play the victim. And here's the thing: when you discover why, there's a difference between between an excuse and a variable. You can identify a variable as to why you are the way you are without making it an excuse. You have to know variables, y'all. You have to be able to name influences. But naming what is influencing you is not blaming it. You're just naming it. Then, as as you start to become aware of these unconscious things that have been contributing to why you are dysfunctioned the way you are in some of the ways you are, then in instead of, of, of saying I'm going to blame you, now here's the hard thing. It might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. That is the horse pill to swallow. That is the horse. I mean, this is a communion. But I'm just like, imagine, I mean, that is what you have to swallow is that though they made of, though they did not give me fill in the blank, I was only five years old. All of those things that you're going to want to blame. There comes a point in time where you have to take responsibility for your healing. Now, I'm not saying you are the leader of your healing. You are responsible to follow the one who can heal. But you'll be tempted to blame. But though it might not be your fault, church, it is our responsibility. Because if, if you give away the blame, you give away the very power you have to change. If you blame, you defend, you complain, you do those things, then you give away the very power you have to heal, to allow Jesus in because that is ultimately what this is. And I just want to let you know why this why this is so powerful is that you have to remember it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. This is what our Savior did for us. How much of our sin was Jesus' fault? Zero. I'll just answer it how much sin did Jesus take? All of it. He made our sin, which was our fault, his responsibility. So us doing the same is we're just following him. my prayer for us individually and corporately as a church and as people who are aiming to be fully devoted, uncommon, holistic followers of Jesus is will we have the courage to ask why? Will we take time to not just focus on the things we know we do and the mindsets we know we have? Will we do the hard work of allowing Jesus into those places and ask, why are you like this? And listen, I just want to let you know as a church, we are here for you. This is not easy work. And if you want some people to journey with you and walk with you as you dive into this stuff, this is something you can definitely do on your on your own. And, and But at the same time, I feel like you'll probably hit points where I need someone to process with. Maybe you need to get a therapist. Maybe you need to get someone to help walk you through these sorts of things in a professional way. Listen, I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you the, exact way you need to carry this out but what i hope you hear today is that it needs to happen if you're going to let jesus into the very depths of who you are because he wants to sanctify not just the outward he wants to sanctify the inward the very down to every thought mind body soul spirit and this is what we're after church this is our vision and if we believe that as the Holy Spirit does does that, you're gonna find freedom you never knew that was possible. You're just not gonna be pulling dandelions up. You're gonna be getting a shovel and getting them daggone roots out. So them daggone dandelions don't be coming back. Would you stand up with me? Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.